Whoa. Well, hello. Uh, that was a little loud on this end. Um, okay, part two. Welcome to Fitness and Relations. Uh, part two of three for uh, relationships and fitness and two parents or parenting and marriages. Is that where we are? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. That's where we are. Okay. Um, what was your, uh, what do you, what was your memories from part one? Uh, what I called, oh yeah, I had this, I was going to unfold. I was pretty proud of, of course, the alliteration behind these three parts. So I was thinking it could be these three. You could tell me uh, if I need to change it. Uh, mating, marriage, and maintenance. Ooh. What do I you like think? It. I like th- it. I'm 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 happy that you like it. Um I was waiting for, you know, I don't I don't get that interoffice, you know, uh water cooler aha moments anymore. So uh, I'm glad you're kind of you kind of like that. So uh, and I wanted to make it 3Ms. But I'm still not I'm still not uh I still don't I don't think maintenance is the best, but that's the best M I could come up with for the third part of this. Anyways, I can see you thinking about a, a better M, but um, we'll find one. Anyways, so uh, that was my question uh, for the mating portion. What do you remember without looking at notes or off the cuff? What do you remember about that that was important to our conversation that could also start us on our uh, piece for today? Um, just the shifts in timelines as we discuss what mating looks like in today's world. Oh, yeah the impact of continuing education starting or are opening up the conversation of mating to look for a spouse later mm. in our lives than in our early twenties. And that's impact on, on health and fitness. Um, and also I think a big one is like what you bring to the table. Mm. So uh, to clarify, uh, the first one that you have your memories was the the culture, societal norms uh, of what used to be and now what is for this piece of of uh, the starting. And secondly, what you bring to the table. Um, yeah, I had uh, some similar ones, too. Um, I remember co- us talking about uh, getting people to develop themselves first. Um, uh, and, and then I kind of was, was contemplating on that a little bit earlier. Uh, I'm not sure your thoughts on that, but you're not really, I don't know if I said it the last time, but you're not truly a hundred percent developed, you know, by the time you get into the marriage, I was thinking that it kind of, I, I said, you know, develop yourself up to 90%. That's what I was thinking because, um, you know, you want to leave a little bit on the table, meaning, uh, you, I think, I think part and partially that's what marriage could be about is is uh, allowing someone else into your deepest aspects to kind of help you develop that last 10%, you know? Um, so that's why I was thinking develop yourself first. That's what I remember from our initial point. Another one I remembered was of course the, the drum that I always beat of trying to get people to make uh, autonomy, fitness autonomy in this mating area, a priority. So like, you know, try to become your freest version of your competence and your knowledge and et cetera. You know, like we talked about, you know, high school and university and, you know, getting all that developed first prior to the marriage 
where, you know, you, you meet someone and they're like, Oh, what do you do? And they're like, you know, I just, I exercise. And they're like, Oh, what plan are you on? They're like my plan. I don't know. It's the plan I'm going to do for the next 50 years. So that'd be awesome if, uh, and that's what I remembered the first one. Uh, also to your point, um, uh, I, I, well, I wrote down be yourself, i.e. in the mating process. Remember we talked a little bit about, you know, if, if you're not yourself, but you're doing fitness in order to get into mating to find someone and that's not sustainable, what are you going to be left with? So that's why I said, like, if you're in the mating process, just be yourself. So if, if, if uh, someone's like, well, who are you? And whatever it is online or in person, and you're like, you know what? I freaking hate exercise, but I'm willing to develop the habits that could uh, that could get me into liking it, you know, instead of saying, oh, yeah, you know, I'm so consistent and, you know, I've been doing this for so long. And that being not true, I'm not sure that's going to be helpful for your consistency long term. And then the other thing I kind of left as an open point that I remember from the part one was uh, the possibility of meeting people in physical ex- expression. That's something that I took from it that I found, you know, profound. Remember, we talked about how we we don't seem to think that we could really affect that, you know, relationships and marriages and et cetera. But I think we do play a big role in that developing relationships with people and having others meet and possibly meet in the gym setting. So um, just on my review of uh, those things from part one, uh, did you have anything to say about uh, those or any aha moments or... I think the aha stills in that like be yourself or the self-development side, right? You mm-hmm. know, because I think it's so unfortunate that we're sold that we have to get in shape before we're desirable or before we're worthy of being in a relationship. So it's like, when I lose this 20 pounds, then I'll be able to date, right? When I'm this size, then people will be attracted to me. Yeah. And, and there's two parts. Yeah. Sorry. And there's two parts there of the, you know, the body composition change and if it's going to be sustainable and to your point, you're not being yourself, that's going to lead to that good relationship. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, so to recap for uh, part two, um, we're making some assumptions. I'll review those. The assumptions that we're making is that just for conversation and for majority reasons, we're talking about male, female monogamous pair bonding. Okay. Um, And we both felt uh, that, it's not really here nor there to get into the to the weeds around the legalities of contractual obligations and prenuptials and what is marriage and et cetera. You know, let's just let's just say like I like to call it pair bonding because it's 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 more traditional or paleolithic or whatever, um, you know, where you're making this assumption that it's the two of you and you're going to do the best you can, you know, just the two of you for for time, eternity and uh again uh the reason why we did that was just so we could focus on one particular area and then uh secondly some pre-assumptions going in which uh i i just wrote it down as i don't know unless if i if we kind of spoke about it but i i think and maybe you know you can let me know if there's uh you have any challenges to that but i wrote down that a pre-assumption as well is that uh i believe that uh, number one, i.e. the the pair bonding and doing it for the particular reasons to help develop each other together as a unit for time eternity, uh, I, I said it's a good thing. And, and I said it's a truly good thing, meaning like I think it's a good thing for society. I think it's a good thing for humans. I think it's a good thing as exemplification as to how to create relationships with others. 
So that's that was a pretty assumption here too. And the reason why I kind of throat cleared a little bit in order to 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 say that is that um I just want to, you know, clear the air for what I feel. I, I think I think there's some huge benefits inside of that, um, not only for the development of that person, but for the conversation itself. Yeah. Cool. All right. My first question for you inside of this uh, part two, which we're calling uh, marriage, you know, uh, or intermarriage is uh, what are the biggest issues, Melissa, you see with the current relationships uh, in marriage and fitness sustainability? So what are the biggest issues that you see um, with current marriage relations and their inability or ability to maintain fitness sustainability? What are some of the things that get in the way? Occupation. Yeah. And not not that occupation is a negative thing, but it yeah. is not, not work-life balance or not being able to have great integration of health and wellness into their work life. Mm. So vocation. Vocation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think of two things there. Uh, it just comes top of mind. Um. I don't know why, but I keep thinking, cause I think it's because they're right in front of me, but uh, I think of those people that I see in construction or physical, hard physical label every day for nine to five, you know, 40 hours a week, uh, 50 hours a week, 60. And I, and I put that up against what I also think about when you say that vocation is the, you know, significant changes that we're seeing in, cause I just saw the new data today, 50% of people that use a key card to access offices it's 50% down by since February, 2020. So that I think, so the article in the New York times was that the, the, the go to the office versus work at home, you know, uh, argument that's going on is what they said is dead. You did the whole, the whole idea of like thinking people are going to go back now that they've gone home is not going to happen. So that's what I think about uh, when you mention, you know, vocation getting in the way of this thing, uh, so, so any thoughts on that? Cause I, I, the, the reason why I point that out to it is that for the, for the second area, uh, I, I think that would be beneficial, right? Of, uh, being at home, maybe developing something as a home gym or helping, you know, working out with other people and in your surroundings, you know, and all the positives that can come from that. But then I also think about, um, the challenge inside of, uh, the relationship and fitness sustainability for that person that is like nine to five hard physical labor? Um, or is it possibly they're not even going to be in front of us anyways? I mean, I think for the person that is working from home, there's less boundaries around when work starts and stops. So the workload can be much higher than when you were going into an office, depending on what you do. If you're project-based or things like that, but I see for a lot of clients is like, they check off work and then they check into all the work that needs to be done before they get back to work. Hmm. So it's like the hours are much longer than a traditional nine to five. We're talking like someone that sits in front of a computer and doesn't stop all day. So just because they're at home doesn't mean they're present at home. So you probably have a good experience with that over the past couple of years, right? Especially being in like a very tech heavy area, whereas the construction worker typically goes to a project and he starts and he stops. Yeah. Yeah. 
And sometimes those type of jobs are physical. We can actually leave at the workplace and it doesn't come home with us. And that's not the case for all, but yeah, no, we're able to work and we know we don't have to check back in mentally to that job until we go back the next day. I can drive home. I can check in with my family and be present with my spouse or my kids and do all of that until I have to go back that next day can be different than for the person that's truly working in their kitchen. Yeah. And probably to reduce it for the the physical laborer, we're probably not having conversations with them around, you know, lunges and bench press in the evening times, Monday to Thursday, right? We're most likely talking about the best snacks to keep mental acuity throughout the day, hydration, um, and actually kind of stuff that that pulls your nervous system down as opposed to like revving it back up for sustainability. Uh, so it's probably that, but, but I just wanted to speak top of mind, like what comes, what comes to my mind, because there, there is this contrast between those two areas, right? The individuals that are uh, working, um, you know, with uh, technology in a home setting versus and, and, and having to come up with a physical expression, right? Uh, to your point is a good one to remember though. It doesn't, it's not always, you know, uh, fun and games when you're out of the office, you know, things can change when you're at home with regards to your perceptions of exercise in a new setting, you know, um, there's a whole bunch of things, which I'm sure, which you just picked up on that. If anyone needs any more advice on, I think you're probably going to be the the best person to, to give them that because you just dealt with it for, for three years in a row with a larger majority of your clients. So, um, yeah, but I think about that for it. Um, what else could it get inside that, uh, how about um, um, and this will this will lead into some other questions too. But uh, how about uh, money and, and the striving for wealth and economic sustainability in a relationship? Is that possibly I'd, something that could be a sticky? Say that's the number two yeah. for us. It's right behind vocation is um financial burden or the stress around financials. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I, I wasn't mentioning as if like, you know, there's stress financially in the relationship and therefore it becomes something that gets in the way. I'm talking about, it's just like, there's a house to pay for, there's education, bills, uh, there's a future, you know, there's gas, food, there's all those things. So that's what I, yeah, that's what I meant by it. Um, and that can be challenging, but then, the, the, then I think about, you know, um, I don't, then I think about how it is important for those individuals. And again, remember our presumptions that I'd like people to be fitness autonomy, you know, autonomy top of mind for them by the time they're in a marriage. But if it is the case where they don't have that in place, which will be a subsequent question that I have for you, then uh, they're probably going to have number two being the uh, economic uh, issues. Um, do you have any examples of uh, where children became uh, a challenging thing in that marriage? Like, uh, and I should say, I'll include everything inside of that now, not, not, not like a problem child or a lack of communication before children or anything like that. I'm talking about everything like the pregnancy, the, the whole, the whole package. Um, you know, I think it goes, well, first, when it comes to the pregnancy aspect, I think it goes back to that level of autonomy created beforehand. So, you know, we see people that aren't in aren't autonomous in their fitness, aren't in healthy states when they go into pregnancy. So then we have this added stress of being tired, fatigued, not healthy, not in shape, and now preparing to bring a human into the world when we have none of these skills put into place. 
Yeah. Um, so that's one that like the, I call the playing catch up game. Yeah. When the dog comes, then I'll learn how to cook a meal. Uh, sure. <laughs> and no conversation about like the realities of what that can look like when you're not sleeping. Yeah. So from that phase, that's a big one. And then I think uh, a primary, a big one for what I see is just extracurricular activities for kids starting at such a young age mm. that um, just long days where even, you know, for kids that are six and seven sports aren't ending till like eight or nine o'clock at night. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I see um, just a, on that point uh, there, there is an opportunity for those parents, but uh, they've been told and they think that there isn't. Uh, my point being is that I can use numerous examples of uh, these adults, you know, uh, sitting for 90 minutes on a sideline at a soccer match, right? Um, or the uh, the adult that, uh, you know, sits and doesn't cheer while they watch their kid for 90 minutes at, at hockey. Or for the uh, mom or dad that sits up in the room behind the glass plane while they watch their kid in a gymnastics class or something like that. So I could go on and on with that. And my whole point being is that They've been told that they shouldn't dedicate time to work out in that area or in that place while that was happening. And, and to, bl to blame is, is most times the parents, because when I've had conversations with those individuals, uh, both as a parent, you know, around that area and my experience that I've gleaned over the past, you know, decade or so watching my girls do that is that uh, the, the, the the main reason why they won't do it is that it seems like it's abnormal, you know, and then they'll say, well, you know, uh, Lisa, you know, wants me to watch her play soccer. And I'll say, did you ever ask her if it's really important that you're you're there, you know, on the sidelines, you know, actually, um, you know, participating or coaching, which you can't do or et cetera. And that's generally not, you know, talked about. And then uh, secondly, th there's a separate conversation to that of uh, the the kid needing the parent to be there watching them, you know, and that that's something that I can help them with as well. But uh, my, my whole point being on that one is that if that is the case, I'm just trying to throw out there, you know, uh, for parents listening in that you can actually break that mold <laughs> by doing, you know, squats and pushups and lunges and planks and et cetera in the 60 minutes while, and so if you're, if a parent is listening in, they're like, man, you're, you're batshit crazy. Um, I need you to come up with a better reason as to why you will not participate in doing that because, because it's not a social norm is not the best answer. So just think about your, your answer to that. Now that one, I'm more referring to like um, the parents that have like multiple children, right. Or it's like, we got to get one-to-one -one practice and this, like this, like chaos of like, Oh, the scheduling or just being the the driver of having yeah. to get kids from x like one needs to go to soccer one needs to go to softball they have practice at the same time so you're essentially dropping one off to get the other one to where it needs to go and it's just like mm. playing driver all afternoon for the children yeah yeah by all means the over scheduling but to your one i think that's very true it's like what have we created to be um like we frown upon the parent that doesn't show up to the game but then we like we've, we've decided that it has to be that if you're not presently watching your child, that you don't care about your child. Yeah. Right. Versus if you taught your child that we do fitness and this is my period that I'm going to go do my exercise while you do your yeah. exercise. Yeah. Like what does that share for family values? Keep but 
society says that if you're a mom that's not on the sidelines, then yeah. you're not a caring mom. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like who's responsible for that? I think the parent is like, it, it's up to them. We can't, we can't, you know, start shaming people or, you know, put all this money towards setting up these external uh, environment gyms around soccer fields. Right. I, I think they'll just sit empty, you know, cause people be like, Oh, you're crazy. If you're over there doing knee ups and walking lunges in a little circuit while your kid's playing, you know, and see, these are the things that I think about while I'm watching everyone on the sidelines. And I, I just do laps or I'm walking constantly around the entire. You're the, you're the, um, you're like, you have an unhealthy relationship with fitness. Cause I have a good friend and she oh, does that's that. That's how I'm perceived from yeah, the, like, you know, yeah. I have a very close friend and that's what she does while her daughter's at soccer. And yeah. because she's already fit and looks healthy, it's like, and she has an over obsessive relationship with fitness because she has to be working out mm. even while her child's at practice versus like, this is my hour to work out. So I'm going to go work. Yeah. Out. Yeah. There is that case. There is those cases for sure. Um, and I'm not going to say that I did not fall prey to that by trying to do a, a, a com workout that I knew was going to take 10 minutes against a, a fence post or a freaking <laughs> shovel or something back in the day, you know, um, 10 minutes of burpees. Like, I mean, seriously, you know, uh, then I have all the parents saying, what is wrong with you? Like, you can't see straight. One of your eyes is pointing another direction and your bloodshot. Yeah. Fun times. Um, yeah. So we exhausted that one. The question that I asked for those to think about is what are the biggest issues that get in the way of fitness sustainability for marriage relationships? I think that's something interesting to, uh, to discuss. My second question would be, what are some ways outside the box that couples use to maintain fitness um, and fitness sustainability in their uh, relationships and in their marriages? What are some ways I say outside the box, we kind of just started a little bit on the pathway towards that, but I thought maybe we can give uh, some individuals, you know, some, some ideas on that. Side the box. Like inside the box would be, I guess, inside the box, right? <laughs> like, um, you know, couples thinking, oh, we've got a schedule of 5 to 6 p.m. with Melissa at Opex Cura. Do you know what I'm saying? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, and then we got to get the prescription and the, 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 that would be inside the box. Outside the box, let's take into consideration the 90% of all other adults in marriages and uh, what you think about with regards to that. It's finding ways to spend time with each other that are outdoor, right? So at least for us and where we're at, it's like we have beautiful bay trails that go along the water. So it's like, how can we build, I call it like just routines, right? Sunday morning, we go for a bike ride and we do this and then we have like our farmer's market. So it's like, how can we just build these things out to be a natural part of your day to day? It's like, yeah. you know, on, on Saturdays, we go for a bike ride or depending on where you're located, right? At least where we are in the Bay Area, it's very, very easy to say we're going to pick on all trails, like, right? Like have a goal. Yeah. Any hike that's within this time domain, we're going to try them all. Nice. And that just becomes what you do every Saturday until you've exhausted them all. And then you find a new criteria you want yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, so like, not to gamify, but to make fitness enjoyable, right? Um, yeah. For a lot of our clients, I'm okay if their Sunday or Saturday activity ends with a meal. If it's like, we're going to mm. bike and we're going to have coffee and breakfast here, mm. and then we're going to bike home, cool. right? We're going to bike there and sit and read for a little bit and then yeah. cruise somewhere else. Like, um, that's where I've had a lot of success is making it just like, 
um, a form of relaxation, not like I'm going to go kill myself in this workout, you know, at the gym. Yeah. It's like, how can we go explore somewhere? Nice. That's a great idea. Well, eat, eat what you kill, right? It's back to the food thing. Yeah. I've, I've grown past that too. And teaching it to people uh, with regards to, yeah, you know, they would say, oh, so it's like a celebration. Like we earned our meal. It's like, well, not really, but uh, internally inside of us for us to hunt and forage and to go really long distances or to do some work and then have some fuel does make sense. And then they go, yeah, that's right. That's an aha moment. Um, it's just that if they frame it like, oh, I can't wait to do two hours on a bike in order to have that shitty donut and coffee, you know, it's like, well, you're framing it differently now uh, with regards to the choices you're going to make there. But I really like that. Of course, that's right up my alley. Before we got on our call today, I was flipping through all the uh, nature photos uh, that I generally take. I just got back from Idaho and uh, I was out on kayak every morning, fall leaves. And it was just like, you know, and just sit there, <laughs> you know, uh, inside of it. So that's right up my alley. I love that. Um, the thing that I would add to that, just in terms of education for those that uh, where it doesn't complement what we normally see with regards to resistance. Uh, so it, it's fairly easy to say, uh, and I'm not saying that it's easy for you to, because you just say it for nature and outdoors, but most times we're going to give examples would be aerobic activity that's longer, right? So in principle, uh, I would agree with it in nature. Uh, that should be your prime target for what you just heard Melissa getting into in variability and excitement and planning and et cetera. I totally agree with you. I hate the word gamification. It just has bad behaviors snapped inside of it it's almost like the food at the end of the the thing is a reward but uh so yeah just just go long basically and get lots of variety uh kayaking and swimming take up a new skill that's exciting that you could both do together that lasts for hours and hours and think of it in those terms now for the resistance component um i usually tell people to try to develop skills um that are in nature that result in them understanding like what it is for challenging tension so in the reduced version of it, that could be uh, lifting rocks or rock climbing or doing a very tough incline and uh, decline with regards to going up and down uh, certain hills. Also, if they could, if they're combining it, um, I will let them know to try to, you know, geo point out on a map where there's specific parks along the way where they can do like monkey bars, dead hangs you know, a little like resistance circuit at the same time in the middle, they can do partnership back and forth stuff. So I'm just saying that, uh, you know, to complement our conversations on uh, our principles, right, for going long, and then also uh, balancing that out with uh, some, you know, more challenging physical challenges along the way. Um, yeah, I've been with that because R2, one of my old coaches, um, that's like his son is always falling down hills somewhere. <laughs> Anytime I get a video, it's but it's like exploration, right? It is that. It's like we go on path, but why can't we explore up a little bit? Why are we so scared to go off the beaten path if it looks like you can get to the top of the hill and it's not like, hey, I'm gonna hurt myself? We well, yeah, we know our our guardrails, but like yeah. so I think to that point too, it's like it's being okay going off the path a little bit. And yeah. exploration means you're you're truly exploring. You're not just following right what's in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, I love that. Uh, so out the answer to that, you know, what you had given there, uh, 
to be outside the box, you have to go off the beaten path. That's going to be our language to our answer to that. Because inside of that, it describes nature and it describes you coming up with physical challenges that are inside nature that you could come up with that are not going to get you killed, but that do involve both of those principles of going long as well as doing some strenuous um, resistance activities. If there was, and I, I think about these things all the time, so I can make it because I'm, I want individuals to understand that it actually is, and I'll keep giving examples over and over so people see that it actually is quite easy. Um, just break it down to simple patterns like like hanging from something, uh, doing push-ups or a version of a push-up or a front-leaning rest. That's the top of a push-up for those who don't know uh, what the front leaning rest is. It's basically just the top of the push up, and you can hold that just like you would hold hanging as long as possible um, and doing step ups anywhere and uh, doing air squats or, you know, sitting and doing repetitions of sitting. So if you could just do those movements, and I'm, I'm even going to use the, the complexity possibly involved in people getting overzealous by lifting rocks and doing it incorrectly, I'll just say that. Uh, that is a fantastic balancer that you can do anywhere um, on these other days that could that could you know open up a pathway for you to uh, end up uh, you know calling up Melissa and asking her where she, where you can get your uh, the best punching bag for your home um, when you advance in those patterns. So, is there anything you wanted to add to that to the uh, outside the box uh, off the beaten path pieces that people could use to maintain their uh, fitness? I think it's even going to seem almost not fitness enough or simple enough, but it's like, I always try to encourage people. Um, we typically think of shopping as a chore, right? Grocery shop. Oh, a lot of clients that come in have a negative relationship with cooking because they hate going to the grocery store. So it's like, yes. if I can, again, get someone to go to one of our local farmer's markets on a hill, it's like park at the bottom of the hill, drag your wagon up the hill, go get some time outside, pick out your food. And then like, you know, it, it goes into now we just got, over an hour in the sun, you just walked for 60 minutes, you care, you fold your wagon, you parked at the bottom of the hill, so you had to get up and down the hill, right? Like, it's just simple ways to like, okay, now this was an activity. It was something you guys could do together. You both know what food's in the house for the week. Um, and it's like, we're making this just about being a part of our lifestyle versus it's Sunday and I resent that I have to go to the grocery store because it's crowded and I don't like to shop, right? Yeah. So finding ways to be outside the box, get our clients to just enjoy the things we've kind of started to socially call boring or like mm -hmm. domestic chores that we don't enjoy doing. Yeah. Yeah. What you're hitting on there is huge. I can't, I can't believe, I guess it's, it makes sense that we always get cornered into talking about physical expression, but uh, the, you know, we haven't even touched the behavioral or nutritional aspects of that, like relationship continuity. Uh, yeah. That, that just opens up a whole, you know, bunch of things for people to think about. So I appreciate that. Um, I keep thinking about the challenges that are imposed when we do go into behavior and nutrition for fitness sustainability as couples. And that's why I like the, the interworkings in that relationship of what I call individualized, but generalized. What I mean by that is that, yeah, each person, and I'm just thinking of, you know, um, you know, John and Lisa and, you know, John is going to have an individual uh, way of going about his nutritional plan, right? And so is Lisa. And they're all, they're going to be individualized for numerous different reasons, development, sex, activity, a whole bunch of things. But, but there is some general things that you guys will both agree upon 
that needs to be the, the middle point. And my point being on that is that if you're going to argue over, you know, well, one person can't have eggplant because they don't like it. My point is, is that, but we're all agreeing that variety in vegetables is good, right? So that that's the that's the thing that you want people to because I've seen I'm not sure if you've seen it I've seen couples get siloed and they actually get further and further away from those generalized positive principles because they're like oh no no, no this works really well for me and therefore she can't participate in that because it really works works really well for me um, I think I think you may have seen that before I'm not gonna make an assumption there but. Um, if you're if you're telling people to go to the farmer's market, you've obviously seen it before because the farmer's market gives them that, right? It's like, yeah, you get your eggplant and I'll go get my uh, broccoli, whatever. Yeah. Eggplant's horrible, by the way. It's not, definitely not a sponsor ever of this show. <laughs> <laughs> you like eggplant? Not my favorite. Okay, good. Well, I was going to say, I was hoping you actually did so we could- I don't hate it. Play that one off. Okay, well, I actually hate it. Uh, what? I think I think it shouldn't even exist. Anyways, broccoli, uh, broccoli versus eggplant. That'll be an episode another time. But my my point being that the think of that individualized but generalized, and just think of the think of the the balance in that for for the couples. Um, are there uh, stages of development, Melissa? Are there stages of development per se in the marriage? I.e. Uh, the beginning of the marriage, uh, the middle of the marriage, and that maintenance one we talked about that warrant specific strategies for fitness consistency. Yeah. So 100%. what comes uh, to mind, you know, it kind of giving it a little bit of a difference in example there. You know, I'd say moving out of the mating into marriage, it's like, I think in the beginning, there's a lot of time spent together, especially if there are no children yet. Right. Or like where it is, it's like actually most oftentimes that's where we see sometimes it can be a slight decline in um, fitness because there's like, I want you to meet all my friends. I need you to like this integration of worlds. Yeah. Right. right? And sometimes come with a lot more soul, depending on like, at least I know from like a lot of our clients, like that's where there's a lot of social events going on. Right. Especially post marriage. It's like, we have like honeymoons and it's like you're starting to like really finish integrating into my world and your world and like nesting in the house and there's all these other things that can take up we only have so much time in the day and bandwidth and that can disrupt routine and rhythm yeah Uh, so I guess it may be be like that pivotal point of moving in together if that doesn't happen till marriage or like if that's before it's like the finished co-meshing of both worlds coming together yeah yeah love that yeah um, yeah, I didn't know where that was going to go with it for, but I just thought of uh, like creating a demarcation between some differences, right. In, uh, in the strategies of way people go about maintaining fitness consistency as couples. Um, and I think you hit it right there. It's, it's that big transition between the mating phase and then getting into what we'll call the extra, extra stuff that comes with, uh, that, uh, that marriage where there's a commitment made and there's this long-term, the positive thing, there's always trade-offs, right? The positive thing is you're like, okay, we both agree that we're together on this for a long time. And you're both like, oh, thank goodness. I don't have to do the dating thing anymore. Uh, but the the trade-off to that is that now you both have to help one another help figure out how to fit the, fit this stuff together, right? Because just like what I mentioned when I first saw Hannah uh, come from the womb, you know, I knew at that moment that life is different, 
that things are drastically different. Just like I remember things drastically, things drastically being different after Leanne and, and my commitment, right? As soon as that commitment happens, it's like, okay, things are different, right? Um, and there's, so there's, so there's trade-offs in that just so people know, and uh, you, you, you hit the nail on the head, I think with the language around it is that transitional period of just being ready to see that it's, it's, it's more than just about you now. Like you're, that's why we're hoping you're 90% developed so that when you get into that area, you're ready to rock and roll and help that other person, but also figure stuff out for yourself and kind of work together on, on balancing the, uh, you know, the exercise stuff. Right. Yeah. Which I think comes down to just good communication about values and priorities. Yeah. Right? So we both want to show up as our best and then how do we make sure that we both have ample time to make this maintain this high level priority, right? When it comes to like the fitness and pieces like that, yeah. um, our most successful clients are the ones that, especially even when, it, when children come into the picture that support each other in the schedule to make sure they both have opportunities to do, to, to be fit. Yeah. And that's where, uh, again, we go back to the, to the assumptions we made on uh, hopefully people can, be 90% developed prior to, but I'm getting ahead of myself because I do want us to talk a little bit about that if, uh, if that is, yeah. So, well, here it is. Um, so the, this is the, this is the generalized statement we're going to get. Okay. Melissa, it's, uh, uh, but fitness and consistency is so hard and complex. Okay. So just picture the individual saying, but, 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 you know, it's so difficult. Uh, so that and but that is said by a lot of people. OK, uh, otherwise, how would we have like, you know, so many writers <laughs> writing specific articles in media, you know, about uh, how to be consistent in fitness? And it's been going on for 30 years. Right. Uh, and it happens, you know, every every week. So um, how do they get started? Um you know, knowing that uh, we don't want them getting started for the wrong reasons or with the wrong intentions, right? So what's the first thing that comes to your mind to help that those lonely souls out there that uh, are either listening in or, or coaches listening in who are like, yeah, but I have like 90% of all my clients that are couples are like, yeah, but James, Melissa is just so difficult and hard. Um, you know, so what's what comes to your mind based upon that? Yeah, it is so difficult and so hard. It is. <laughs> so it's like, but I think that's my favorite. That's your that. first point is like, yeah, the reality is that it's difficult. It's not easy. Who told you it was going to be easy? Yeah, yeah, I think that is it, right? I think that's just acknowledging and empathizing with that, that like we've been told that it's like supposed to be somewhat easy or like everyone's doing it. So it can't be that difficult, but it is hard. Yeah. Sacrifices, yeah. right? So for me, then it really comes down to just looking at daily organization and most people do not have any daily organization. Mm -hmm. So if I can just like get a single person or like the couple together and we can just look at what their daily schedules look like, it's like very easy to just go about and be like, cool, you're going to come on A, B, and C. And she's going to come. I call them A, B schedules. For most of our clients that have to share like younger kids, it's like mom comes on these days, dad comes on these days. Mm -hmm. They switch the tasks on the days that the other person is coming. They That's both get to come equal amount, right? And everyone's happy. Yeah. So um, I like that because it's not the, it's not the power or the dependency and the consultation in which people can get that information. That's why, what I like about that. Cause what you said there, uh, again, using our wonderful alliteration that we can use and, and timestamp it as your answer to that 
is acknowledgement and awareness. Uh, the triple A acknowledgement and awareness. Uh, acknowledgement meaning, yeah, you know, this, it's reality. Uh, who told you it was supposed to be easy? Uh, and then secondly, what I meant by awareness is that you, what you gave there was some examples of like, well, this is, you know, have you ever, cause I can just remember people, you know, seeing the, 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 the light come up on people's face from like, have you ever thought about, you know, as the example, uh, you know, going to the gym that's right next door while your kid's playing hockey. And they're like, I never thought of that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you can do that, <laughs> you know, but, it, and it, we, we laugh at it, but some, sometimes people don't think that that actual knowledge is available. And that's what we mean by awareness, right? The aha moments that we want you to gain from just that particular thing. So, uh, yeah, I love that. Um, acknowledgement and awareness. It would be the answer to that. So to re reframe the question again, um, people will say that fitness is so difficult and complex. And so the, how do they get started if that's the case? And our answer would be, unless you need to change it slightly, Melissa, is that acknowledge that it is going to be difficult. And uh, secondly, uh, look to become more aware of some things you can put in place as examples to kind of overcome those initial hurdles right and into that awareness it's like it's like awareness of opportunities and i think we've been sold that in order to do fitness it's an hour or 75 minute session mm. because of like group fitness of how long classes are that yeah. if you only have 40 minutes that's not enough time yeah the amount of times we've gone clients are like what do you mean i can come here for 40 minutes yeah like because we have a lot of people are very boxed into these ideas of what fitness has to look like and they believe that it's like, unless it's 60 minutes, it's not as worthy of a session or it's a waste of time, right? So just a lack of education that causes people to not even want to do fitness because they think if they don't have an hour, it's not even worth it to try it. Mm. Well, that's our, I've just came up with our second book that we're going to write. Um, the first one, as you remember, is going to be called Radiance and it's, uh, it uh, maybe will take 30 years to complete, but uh, we'll get it done. Uh, the second one is going to be uh, around your point you just made there of, well, you indirectly may not have known that you were speaking about it was, you know, who holds the power or the authority to tell someone as to what they should do for exercise as couples? You know, mm -hmm. I was thinking, I was thinking about New York Times articles or Wall Street Journal or uh, anything else or media, et cetera. Uh, Cause those, and you know, what, what they see on Instagram, like, you know, my point being is that I think you and I have at least some fundamental principle ideas that I would argue are much better than anything that most people are going to get for their fitness relationship consistency and knowledge. You know, I just, I don't see, you know, back to the point of, you know, you sure it's going to be difficult. So then people are going to source information, right? It's like, oh, I'd love to work out with my partner for the rest of our life. Where are we going to go for that information? Right. And you and I are speaking about the answers of what they're looking for. But my point being is that I don't, I, I think there's just not enough conversation on whatever we want to call it. Those are common words today. And I'm just going to use them. The institutions that are out there that provide people with that information, right? Like to your point, who says 60 to 75 minutes, you know, three times a week at a certain intensity, like who says that? And I know who, who says that, right? It's the governmental regulatory bodies or, you know, et cetera. And I'm not going to go conspiracy on individuals relative to the trust in those institutions, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, we, we seriously have to question, you know, how to change and reframe that knowledge 
and how do we get uh, your voice and my voice out there so people could recognize these real simple principles of knowledge for fitness relationships? That's what I think about. So that's going to be our second book. It's going to be fitness knowledge for couples. Radiance is number one. We obviously have to come up with a better, uh, <laughs> better <laughs> name of the second book. Um, you know, fitness, fitness knowledge. Anyways, we'll find another time for it. But anyways, we're going to write that book. If we don't write that book, you'll hear us talk about those things um, here. It also makes me think that we should probably timestamp that for a future episode where we can talk about that. You know, uh, uh, what I mean by that, Melissa, is uh, maybe a podcast on how people in relationships inside of fitness how they gain their knowledge. Like, where do they get that from? And maybe we can just pick some examples, right? You know, act as the individual in that seat who's like, oh, I want to, you know, you know, simple things like work out together. Where do I find the knowledge, you know, to do that? Yeah. So we can discuss that. Yeah. Uh, can you come up with an example of a uh, married couple? Um. And whether it be a story on fitness consistency or fitness struggle or, or, or whatever with regards to that, just, I thought it'd be cool, you know, cause you could probably roll a deck, an example, top of mind, uh, and maybe uh, share that story. Oh, Majority of our clients are, are couples and families. Okay. Yeah. So it'd be any one of those. Um, and it could be something minor or like low intense of something that uh, you can remember them doing together in the context of today, right? Whether, or maybe it was a challenge. I can go ahead if you want, because I, I remembered one that actually is more of a struggle than a, than a consistency. Um, I remember uh, being introduced to this gentleman uh, at the YMCA in Crowfoot. Uh, and he, you know, I, I, tr you know, cr did the whole transformation, right? Like the aha moments and the, you know, oh my gosh, you know, fitness freedom and eating good and mental acuity and all these things where he just became like a, a prophet for the, the, the idea, right? Couldn't stop talking about it in the change room and et cetera. Um, but he, he felt that in his own mind, it was probably inappropriate for, his wife to get on board with OPT at the time to start the process with him. Right. Um, and so it took a long while for us to actually come up and talk about uh, those things. So it goes back to my point I mentioned earlier of this is not one of the initial times where I stated this, but uh, I gave him, you know, uh, a starter in his mind of my point on individualized, but generalized. Right. So I was like, yeah, you certainly, because this is his thinking in his mind is like, she will never be that intense. She'll never be as disciplined. She'll never, you know, go low carb for three days. She'll, you know, these are, and this is what he told himself, right? Because he was thinking, oh, that's exactly what James gives to everyone. And therefore he's going to give it to my wife. And therefore I may as well not even start it, you know? And then uh, and I was like, you know what? Send her over, you know, just let me, let me chat with her. And of course he gets back to me. He's like, dude, like, what did you do? She, she loves it. You know, and you're, and so then he was like, what the hell does she, how come she gets to eat white rice? Or, you know, it was, you see what I'm saying? It's like, 
you're not even getting the point, man, is that uh, that individualized but generalized thing. So I guess inside of there, there was some challenges, but also a happier ending story. But let's back, let's back up to the point before she came. You could see that that was what I remember clearly that happened numerous times where they thought that, you know, this is special and I'm only going to like spread it to everyone else in the gym. But when it comes to my home, I'm not sure they could actually handle it, you know, in our relationship. Um, and there were, there's some other stuff that I couch psych, psych, uh, psychologist. I act as a couch psychologist on this too, where they actually still wanted to have control over a bunch of things that they didn't want entering into their lives, right? Which on the outside looks like discipline, but inside their mind, they're like, no, no, no. I like things as they are. I don't want to mess that up. So that's a, that's a whole separate darker area of it. But anyways, that's the thing I thought about. I actually know these people, their names will go uh, unnamed. Um, but it was a couple that uh, just to finish it on a nice ending, um, they both ended up being uh, really consistent. Um, and the only thing I had to worry about over time was actually pulling them away from the overzealous, uh, like being way too disciplined, way too like, you know, intense about it. Um, and I had my own ways of helping them develop that as well. But that's something I thought about. I love the generalized, but individualized because I'm thinking of a couple that, um, like they were both active in fitness when they, when I met them, he was very much just a globo gym, arms and chest and body type of guy. And she went to, um, Orange theory. Yeah. Orange theory. Mm -hmm. Right. She did mm -hmm. her cardio class and he did his biceps and shoulders. Uh, and they both ended up joining the gym and I've gone through two pregnancies with her now, but like they both have in the lifestyle thing, their own things they need to work on that are their own, right? Like she drinks yeah. enough water. He doesn't yeah. but, like, you can have your own targeted specific things that we're going to work on. Yeah. Right. I, I crack up on the food thing. Cause he comes in last week and he was like, dying. he's like, my wife is eating meat. Like, what are you doing to my wife? Like my wife is like <laughs> buying steaks because it was like, he eats steaks, but she only eats fish. Right. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and so I was like you can both eat steaks. <laughs> but it was a thing of like, you know, like, um, I, I love it because they can both come in, they can express fitness how they want to, but the things that we work on when it comes to like nutrition and lifestyle can look very different for a new mom yeah. than the dad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's, um, I think that's where a lot of people don't know that that can be possible is like, yeah, you guys can both be prioritizing your health and fitness. And it looks slightly different for each one of you based off what's the lowest hanging fruit right now. Again, like, yeah, for him, I just need you to drink more water. Yeah. You get a water bottle. She doesn't, she drinks her water, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, but you both like water. You both like water. So <laughs> that's we agree it. upon that. You both like water. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> cool. Uh, so for children. I think that's like some of the ones too, is like, you know, I think, from like the wife and husband type of balance. It's like, uh, I don't think people really understand that there can be a place where you can both come in and do what you enjoy and what's good for you. Yeah. And it looked different. Yeah. I didn't plan on discussing that again, but that's what we talked about just to remind people. That's what we talked about on the first episode is that we really have to change the overall narrative and mindset around. And I talk about this all the time with regards to quote unquote family fitness, right? We think that like, you know, kids should be over here and adults should be here and that the male should be here and the female should be doing that, right? We need to break that apart uh, and still honor it relative to what each person's goals and specific things that they enjoy are. 
but we all have to agree they're all principally the same, right? Kids do resistance, kids do aerobic work. It's just called something and looks something different. Adults do resistance, adults do aerobic work. Women do resistance, women do aerobic work. Men do resistance, men do aerobic work. Women drink water, men drink, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, we get, we gotta, we gotta break all that apart because that siloing is not going to help uh, long-term for us to get to those ultimate goals of, uh, you know, just, you know, not, not relying, I guess, on someone to say what's going to be best for you, where you're just giving up responsibility to, 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 to own that and say, yeah, you know what, um, you know, like the female you were just talking about, you know, she's going to be like, yeah, you know, I'm consistent with water, you know, wink, wink. She tells her husband, you should try it, <laughs> you know, but you see, but that's Melissa working through her indirectly, but it's a yeah. principle. It's a principle that we all agree upon. That's going to be effective. And it comes with care, right? You're not being a bitch about it, or I'm not being an asshole about it. We're doing it with care. It's like, no, like we actually think this is going to be beneficial for you. Um, and we'll go about our own ways of uh, trying to make it happen. So you can all eat breakfast, right? Because there's all like things like mom's breakfast looks different than dad's breakfast. Mom only has smoothies. Yeah. Because like that's like a female breakfast. Like, right? We and so yeah. um yeah, there's just so many Yeah. Makes me think about too. I think we did discuss it before, but maybe we'll circle around to it over time to discuss what are specific male and female current trends in nutrition that you and I need to like break down as a fallacies, right? Um, And I'm just going to guess, but I'm sure there's some like, you know, male uh, persona characteristic, you know, diets that are that uh, males are are jumping on the bandwagon on, and we we should like like listen, you know. Is this only for males? Uh, is it uh, specific to you? You know, um, I think it's something we, we can discuss over time. Um, okay, so last question. Um, and let's see if I, as I'm reading it, I'm not sure if it's how it's different, but maybe as I say it, you may see it different than what a question I've asked before. How is intermarriage different than pre-marriage? in late marriage in characteristics of just the marriage itself not with regards to fitness but just the marriage itself so i that may sound like a softball question but you know what are the things that you think about just so we could uh nail out you know the the i guess the the naming and the demarcation that i was hoping to achieve with three-part series so what are some of the characteristics yeah i think it's like again that within that unification you're like so think of this i just make it simple two years before you your marriage five years in and then 25 years in what i'm asking is the is the differences there in characteristics generalized i feel like in that middle zone is like when you're really becoming like a system together right like that's when the support system is really being refined of like shared responsibilities and like teamwork the team is like right i think it was like this is no different than again if we're talking about sport again it's like a new team where it's like you're all trying to figure out your place and your rhythm it's like that first bulk period into like yeah marriage is like when you 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 finally like really solidify yourself as a team yeah let's call it a tribe to make it less sporty yes a tribe yeah. You know, I think of it as like 
that's when it's like I felt like that's when Josh and I found our true rhythm is like who yeah. cooks who does this. Yeah, that's awesome. Coffee because it's better. It's like you know you go from like yeah, we nonchalantly to- talk about that, but that's really important. Right? Yeah, that's really important. Um, it is. So I feel like that's when like you really just like solidify yourself as like a partnership. Yeah, where you're hitting your your you're hitting your stride, right? Yeah, as a tribe, you're kind of working it together and they step up for you when needed and they step up in the right times. And gosh, you, uh, you take these periods of, uh, these moments of gratitude every, you know, couple of days. <laughs> of I like, think it's also when you're that, you, like, it's like, right. It's like, because you both want to be your best selves. It's finally when the trust is there to trust that that person yeah. is helping you be that. So I yeah. think there's like, you know, when we go from dating to actually like, I choose this person. It's like, there's more vulnerability of like, you know, if it's a, if it's a healthy relationship, but when that person gives me feedback and wants me to grow as a person that we're both trying to grow together to be the best versions of ourselves, mm. where potentially when we're still dating, there's yeah. less invested interest on in the other. Yeah. In their personal growth. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great way to, uh, to finish off our podcast for today is uh, for maybe people to get inspired of focusing on that no matter where they are in their particular relationships. Um, but to see the positive inside of that, you know, the, the tribe concept and how you could, cause as I said, there's trade-offs in that. Number one, it's the trade-off of you recognizing, holy shit, it's not just me anymore. But the trade-off of that is that, you know what, it's just not you anymore. <laughs> now it's a team. So you see the positive in that, right? You got someone else to help. You got someone else to like fill in that other 10% that I was discussing in terms of your development over time. Um, and, and I'll contemplate on that notion a little bit more for myself. Maybe it's more like 20% as opposed to 10%, but um, I think it is a good idea that you leave a little bit on the table uh, to allow that other person to kind of like work your gears in, in that five year, when you're into that five year point you know, to be like, Oh, you know, this is going to be a little challenging and see that as a good thing because, uh, like exercise, it's not easy, right? It's a good challenge, which is good over time. Um, yeah, that was fantastic. Uh, did you, did you have any thoughts uh, coming in or notes that you took for stuff that you wanted to discuss for the intermarriage point, um, and fitness relationships that you wanted to hit on? Question for good. I mean, I really wanted to hit on just um, acknowledging the, not the difficulties, but the things that do come up that are challenges within a marriage. Mm. Uh, and I want to brainstorm some of the solutions around those, but I think we did. Okay, good, good. Well, if you're happy with those brainstorming moments, that's great. And that'll, that'll segue us into part three. Uh, if anyone comes up with a better naming than maintenance, um, you know, but I mean, maintenance is just as sexy as consistency, right? Consistency, yeah. OPEX made consistency sexy, you know? Yeah. Uh, so if we can make a word like sustainability or consistency sexy, then we can make maintenance sexy with regards to I this. Think, I think uh, maintenance, is, maintenance is sexy, right? Like yeah. you appreciate the person that keeps well maintenance on their car. And doesn't How about this? How about this? We'll call it mate, marry, maintain. Okay. Yeah. So maintain sounds, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> So uh, mate, marry, maintain. We're on part two. We just finished part two today of the maintain, or sorry, the uh, marriage, marry portion. 
um, and we'll get into maintain next time. Thank you, Melissa, for your time and uh, all your knowledge in this particular area today. Thank you. This was great. See you next time.